This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Want to learn how to be an entrepreneur? You are dedicated and devoted to a life of developing new ideas and innovations. Willing to take calculated career risks, achieving independent wealth and success. Then you are ready to experience the entrepreneur effect. We'll highlight opportunities for entrepreneurs in digital marketing through interesting, practical, and thought-provoking interviews and monologues. Increase your income and be your own boss by listening to The Entrepreneur Effect. Please welcome your host, a 25-year veteran in sales, management, and business development, Dush Ramachandran. Hi, and welcome to Entrepreneur Effect. This is Dush Ramachandran. My guest today is Kate Westad, who is the original founder of Pallet, the original Hi-Fi. Welcome, Kate. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So, you know, the the original Hi-Fivers is such an interesting term for a product. So tell us tell us what the original High Fiber is all about. Amazing. I would love to tell you all about it. Um, so what it is, is I had this vision for a product where you could take all of your best scoops, globs, and glams, all your beauty, your skincare, your personal care with you by creating a washable, reusable, refillable smart beauty tool. And so we named it original high fiver and why is that why did you name it the high fiver well i think it's a fun play on words um so i was talking with one of my cohorts um who was helping me with the branding and it was just one of those magical meetings and when he left i gave him a high five as i'm known to do and, you know, what my vision for the original High Fiver had always been was having these five containers or wells that would contain your personal care, beauty, skin care, et cetera. So it just really seemed to fit. Um, and then, of course, I had to add the original because 
there's really nothing quite like this on the market. And so I think it fits perfectly. Excellent. So um, now the original high fiver allows you to carry all your beauty essentials when you're traveling, right? Um, now you've, you've introduced something new uh, or is it the same thing, which is basically that you've, uh, you've, you've created a, a way by which the, the minis that have made their way into beauty routines uh, are now in the landfills and single-use plastic items and so on are creating a real problem. So how does, how does uh, the original High Fiber, how does Palette change all of that? So let me unpack that question a little bit. So I find it absolutely fascinating to begin with that we take other sustainable measures to use refillables and reusables in other categories of our life. Um, for instance, we take a water bottle to skip the single use. We take a refillable, washable, reusable coffee mug instead of a takeout. So I think, you know, we're starting to see in so many different areas of our life that we're using refillables or reusables. And so what I think is so very different about the concept of the original high fiver is that you are taking the concept of a refillable and a reusable and putting into beauty and personal care, which really has been such a disposable um, category. And yes, those poor, oh so cute little minis do land up in the landfill. And I think it's also just a somewhat um, curious and fascinating behavior that even I was buying these mini size products when I had very expensive and very curated beauty and skincare and personal care items already sitting at home. And yet I'm screwing around anytime I'm going to the gym, the beach, you know, even just to have in my, my, my bag or my purse or my makeup bag, um, you know, that there became almost this culture of searching for minis and travel size. Um, and so this is meant to be just a simple solution to what has really been a huge pain point for people for quite some time and which actually developed into like a billion dollar category in um, beauty. Nice. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the logistics of this. So to, to someone who doesn't use makeup or at least a lot of makeup, um, it seems like it would be a fairly fiddly process. So you buy cosmetics in bottles um, and or, you know, other different kind of containers, and then you fill them into the palette containers. Is that is that how it works? So I think... You know, if you're if you're just trying to figure out as a guy, if I yes. may, may say that, that would um, be me. you know, I found it really funny because when I was um, looking at, you know, kind of how I curated my my travel bag, my makeup bag, um, you know, you would buy miniature sizes and you and you look at the hotel industry who supplies miniature and travel size shampoos, conditioners, soaps, body wash, gels. It's the same concept. So one thing that was so important to me, I and first I could see this vision of the original high fiver in my head so clearly. I could see the name, I could see the colors, I could see the size, I could see everything. But when we were developing this and obviously bringing it to market, one of the biggest things that I was insistent on is that it had to be super 
easy to wash. It had to be refillable and reusable. And it had to solve the pain point of people buying the minis or trying to, you know, decant or fill some type of reusable container. It had to really solve all of these problem pain points like leaky bottles, non-washable. Um, you know, as I got talking to people um, who were using some of the bigger, you know, quote unquote, travel size bottles, I wanted to talk with them. And so we started having conversations. And one of the biggest things was these people who, you know, some of them were very close to me. They're like, please don't judge me and please don't tell anyone. But I actually take this bottle and I've thrown them away because I can't clean them well enough. And so that very quickly became um, something to me that had to be dramatically solved. Because when you're trying to shift behavior and shift an entire culture of something that's de developed around a pain point, to me, being able to think of this not just as a travel item, not just as a you know, problem solver, but as literally as, you know, like a complete cultural shift in how we take our beauty, you know, makeup, skincare, personal care on the go. And so washing it, reusing it, and being able to fill it so easily, and in fact, in just seconds, was key to the process. Okay, so that's that sounds wonderful. And so it is. It sounds like it's easy to do. Yeah, is that, that correct? is the that is like, the whole point of it. That you can go from full size to on the go size in just seconds. Okay, that's awesome. And so now, uh, uh, what kind of an impact have you been able to have on these minis? I mean, uh, have you have you really had significant adoption of of your original high fiber that? People are saying, well, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, like, you know, people have started carrying their own water bottles on, on flights before they would buy, they would stop stop by the bookstore at the airport and buy a liter bottle or whatever of Evian or Crystal Springs or whatever kind of water. Now they're using those pot fillers um, along with the drinking fountains at the airport. So, that's been a significant change in behavior that you can actually see. Um, so has that happened with these cosmetic minis? Well, we are working on that and we are, we are trying. And I think what's really been so amazing. And, and, you know, when I first was developing this, I was a practicing and, you know, litigation attorney with a full-time job. And I've since quit that job to pursue this because I see the feedback and I see the adoption rate and I see the difference Absolutely. that we can make. And I know that you keep talking about travel, but I really think that we are completely transcending that category. Oh, I get um, it. Obviously in beauty, but we are more in what I would say is complete. And I know people use this word loosely and people like to think it's a bit cliche, but truly trying to disrupt an industry, you know, somewhat along the lines of what like bite toothpaste tablets has have done Dasher bag, for example, um, you know, looking at even, um, you know, some of the refillables and cleaning. Um, you know, we're looking at a completely new way of doing things, um, which is no small feat. Absolutely. That, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Great. Um, so, you know, after the break, we're going to take a short break in just a second. But after the break, I'd love to talk to you about 
the building of the business, which is what our listeners would be really most interested in, because this is a this is a really fascinating category, um, and you're up against some pretty established interests. Um, you know, the Sephora's of this world don't want to give up just that easily. So this is going to be this is going to be an interesting conversation. So stick around. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned for more of the Entrepreneur Effect when we return. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. You are experiencing the entrepreneur effect only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Dush Ramachandran. And welcome back. This is Dush Ramachandran with Entrepreneur Effect. My guest today is Kate Westad, who is the inventor of Palette, the original high fiber. So um, before the break, um, Kate, we were talking about you know the the product itself and how you how you uh, came upon this idea, which is a which is a great idea, and I think it's badly needed with so much waste product ending up in our landfills and so on. So let's talk a little bit about the challenges that you faced in building this business. So um, what first of all, let's talk a little bit about your inspiration. What what caused you? You said you were an attorney, and you gave that up to pursue this full time, which is which is fabulous. That's that's great. Nothing works like dedication, and I'm sure you've you've figured that out as well. So, what was it that inspired you to start down this track? Well, first of all, I think I was certainly on a journey in life to really find my purpose, and that I really had thought long and hard about pursuing something other than law. Um, because I felt like I had a true calling to do something more. And I had this giant creative well <laughs> inside of me that really wasn't getting nurtured. And while I absolutely loved being a lawyer and I absolutely adored my wonderful clients, I really felt like there was a side of me that I wasn't um, I wasn't exploring. So there was that. And then the second thing was that I loved to travel. I love to be on the go. Um, and certainly before the pandemic hit, I think we were all on the go in trying sure. to figure out ways to really simplify our lives and, and really um, cut down on waste. And so, especially as a lawyer traveling quite a bit and always on the go and love to be out and about, like I said, you start to notice like um, I'm really creating a lot of beauty waste 
I'm really not sure that this little tiny, um, you know, ampule or bottle and this little dropper is going to be recycled. And, you know, and for a while there, you're just kind of wish cycling, so to speak, and putting things in the recycling bin, hoping it gets recycled. And then when I had this idea, you start to learn more, obviously, you start to investigate and you realize that because of the size of these tiny plastics, so the minis and travel size, these tiny plastics are not actually getting recycled. They're actually all going to the landfill, which really didn't make sense to me. And especially didn't make sense to me when, like I said, I had these full size containers staring at me that I had paid a lot of money for and had spent a lot of time curating. And so you started to meld these two concepts together and think this is really a road to a product and to product development. And this is the part you can't really explain. I just frankly became obsessed with it and I couldn't let the idea go. And I think when that happens to you, even though it may be hard to explain, the only thing you can say is that I felt like I really had no other choice. But Absolutely. Totally get it. Yep. That makes absolute sense. So when you when you started down this track and, you know, you were obsessed with the idea, um, how did you how did you create your first prototype? Um, and, you know. Did you did you buy small travel bottles and try to experiment with that? Um, what was that journey like? I think I approached it from a really interesting place now that I'm past that part. <laughs> sure. start talking to other people. Because when you're dealing with something that's going to be patented, you really can't talk to that many people about it. And you can't, you know, tell them what you're going to do because it needs to be protected and you need to keep it to yourself. But now that you've kind of realized, like, you know, talk to other people who've been on this journey, I mean, because I could see it so clearly, um, I think I was in a much easier position because it wasn't like I was trying to figure it out. I mean, obviously you have to go through material selections and manufacturing and find a manufacturer who's going to help you use recycled plastic, which is a whole other conversation. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where you're trying to, you know, simply find the way to create the vision you can see so clearly. So I think I had a huge advantage in that in that way. And then secondly, I think because I am a lawyer, I did most certainly approach it from, um, you know, a, a patent perspective and, and from, you know, pr- you know, doing it from an intellectual property standpoint. So I definitely dealt with a lot of that first, which I don't think a lot of people do when they're going through product development or prototyping. Right. And then so, um, so you, you, you prototyped it, did you, and you patented it, obviously, the, the original high fiber is is patented yes so we have one patent already and the other one is pending and then one thing i would just say about when you have your vision so clearly first is that obviously not coming from an engineering background or not having done this you know there were times where i thought these people knew more than me or knew better than me and now going through this process or this experience i would tell people you know really be certain that you stick to your guns and your vision you will save yourself a lot of money and iterations um, because you can see it so clearly. You just have to be very concrete and black and white with people about what you're trying to create and not try. I mean, yes, there are times for listening, but when it comes to the design or how it looks or feels, I mean, you really have to be black and white with, with people when developing a prototype. And that is certainly one tip I would give. Nice. And then, um, so how did you, 
did did you go seek outside funding through venture capital, or did you bootstrap it yourself? How did how, how was that? How did the finance thing all come about? Yeah, I mean, isn't that just a process in and of itself? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. That is just, That's why I'm asking the yep, question. And that is still a road and a journey we're on. So completely 100% self-funded okay. and bootstrapping, which I'm very proud of. Um, but at the same time, I mean, as you can imagine, I'm a person who has visions and ideas, and this isn't the only one. And so but when you start to look at your product line and realize every single invention or every single product you have is an invention and an innovation with intellectual property, it does start to add up pretty quickly. And you definitely have to take a look at what do I need to do to keep producing more products? Because when it is something new and you're not just going to a contract manufacturer and getting something off the shelf, it's a completely different process. And, and the capital issue is certainly something that I think I really undervalued <laughs> when I first started, which, and I was told people, maybe that was a good thing because yeah. I think if sometimes if you see too far ahead of the path that you're on, um, it could potentially feel overwhelming, but at some point you have to face the music and realize, you know, that there is going to be a, a you know, a point in the road where you're going to need more capital. Sure. Absolutely. And, um, so has the so you said you're completely self-funded, um, and so that's that's got to create some white knuckle moments where you know bills are coming due, suppliers need to be paid, uh, revenue is a little late coming in, or you know the people that are carrying your product are a little late in payment, um, and there's not. I mean, working capital, of course, is always the biggest challenge of. Um, nascent small businesses, new businesses. Um, it's one thing when you've got a big, big bank account of several million dollars, and you know that that even that can run out eventually. So, how did you how did you go through those ebbs and flows of cash flow? First of all, I think being a lawyer again has really helped me because you are, uh, especially being a little litigation attorney who has been a trial attorney who's had jury trials and you've had those experiences, it really makes you be more risk tolerant. And so I think there's that. And I think that I also am just more in a spiritual place in my life where I can try to calm myself down and have, you know, that, that natural sort of fear, um, welling up that happens and when your yep. nervous system and it, I think it is about controlling your nervous system as an entrepreneur to be honest because I think that every day something can go wrong and so being a lawyer and being more risk tolerant I'm always like it's just a problem to solve and so I think for us it was really like I had taken you know, I had pulled a bunch of my resources together, knowing that we are going to be self-funded for some time and that we are going to see where things led us. You know, so certainly there was some preparation there that I had planned, like, this is what I'm, you know, I'm going to put, go all in on this and I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to put my money behind myself and that belief. And then the second part was then figuring out very quickly, like, well, we really need some sales <laughs> to keep going and cash flowing, you know, and then you just kind of take it from there. But I do think it is a journey. And I think that um, one of the good things about being self-funded and bootstrapped, as almost anyone knows, is that it forces you to be very creative, very scrappy, and it exactly. forces you to make really good choices <laughs> because... 
if you don't, you know, um, you know, that could, that could put you back a couple of months and your progress. Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes, that makes sense. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Kate Westad. Stick around. We'll Stay tuned for more of the Entrepreneur Effect when we return. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. You are experiencing the entrepreneur effect only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Dush Ramachandran. And welcome back. This is Dush Ramachandran with Entrepreneur Effect. My guest today is Kate Westad, who is the inventor of the original High Fiber. So, Kate, before the um, break, we were talking about your challenges with, you know, self-funding and financing um, your entrepreneurial venture after being an attorney uh, and managing cash flow, et cetera. And you made a really good point that, you know, having having handled, uh, you know, uh, litigation and jury trials and so on, you your risk tolerance became considerably higher. Um, but for our listeners... What what piece of advice would you have for somebody that's starting out trying to build a product of their own, uh, uh, trying to self-fund it? First of all, was there was there a particular reason you chose to self-fund and not seek outside financing, or uh, is that just kind of the way it happened? Was there any uh, was there a conscious thought process behind it, or was it happenstance? That's a great question. It really was intentional. And people call, can call me crazy, but it really was intentional. And especially when you have intellectual property that you've invested substantially in, I always viewed um, taking really early venture capital money as a path to a transition or an acquisition. And knowing that I had a complete product line and multiple product lines that I really wanted to build through Pallet meant I wanted to retain interest in my company. <laughs> and so it really was very intentional. And I think sometimes the big hype or, you know, the big success is raising a lot of money and taking a lot of venture capital. And as a lawyer, I really looked at it quite differently. And that I really like the goal was for me to retain as much of my intellectual property and my business as I could for as long as I could and find, you know, what paths I could take to have that retention. Very good. So now um, the product out is is out in the market and it's post revenue. Is that correct? Yes. And one thing I'd really love to talk about is our market development. Because I yeah, think please do. We took such an interesting path. Now that I'm looking back, and it really was intuitive for me to go this route. But when we were bringing this to market, it really was 
so versatile that it was like, is this a travel product? Is this a beauty product? Is this in personal care? You know, is does this belong in like airport shops? You know, like what is the market yeah. fit? And so for me intuitively, I thought this is beauty. This is for skincare. Like this is a skincare BFF. But I really thought, okay, I'm going to take a step back because we don't have a lot of money. We are self-funded and we need to very quickly determine market fit so we can really hone in. And so we actually launched in beta, the experiential retailer, because they do have more of a male customer profile. And I wanted to very quickly see if this was going to be something that was going to be, um, you know, non-gendered, if this was going to be something that would be like a multi-market fit and like where we could really quickly figure that out. And I have to say that was one of the best decisions I ever made. And some people, again, called me crazy because they're like, if you thought this was beauty and you were seeing a fit with skincare, um, you know, whether it was a dermatology office or a hair salon or, you know, obviously those big box beauty retailers, why would you do that? And I said, because I wanted to very quickly and very cheaply figure out what was my primary, secondary, and you know, tertiary market fit. And I think that was one of the best things that I intuitively did early on. That's, uh, that's great. Now, um, I think what the experience you've gone through is really valuable. Um, So what's the next step? Uh, What are you most excited about going forward? Of course, I'm most excited about launching new products and developing new products. Like that is where my heart just things (laughs) things <laughs> that is where I feel that magic and I get really really excited and so I'm really excited that we have amazing branding and that we have amazing it and that we're making a difference and that we have purpose and I am most excited about developing and bringing to market my other products nice that's excellent and um so the the product is the original high fiver uh, the inventor is Kate Westad. Kate, thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute delight. I wish you all the best, and I'm I'm sure the High Fiber will be an absolute success. And we'll look forward to seeing more of your new products. And when you do launch another new product, come back and talk to us. We'd love to have you on. Oh, thank you so much. I absolutely will. This was a great conversation. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.